Hello everybody. Welcome back to Driving Theology. It's Mike and this is uh, August... Let me think about it. Yeah, August 19th, it's Wednesday afternoon about uh, 1.15 p.m. and I'm off to teach. I'm running just a little bit late. I lost track of time or my watch is off either way. It's about 1.15. And uh, yeah, it's been an eventful morning here. Interesting morning at the McLean house. Uh, got our two daughters home and they're gonna be going online school for the next semester. So they'll be here at least through December, through Christmas. Uh, and maybe at least one of them will stay even longer. We don't know yet. Just depends on how things work out. Uh, but, yeah, it's kind of a whole new world, a whole new scenario, new way of doing life in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, I feel like change is in the air, I really do, uh, for good and for bad and for all kinds of ways. But in general, I feel like what's happening in the world is just a big shakeup. feel it in our little nick of the woods, uh, or is it neck of the woods, I don't even know if it's nick or neck, uh, and I feel it uh, in a much broader context as well, uh, maybe even spiritual, I don't know. Uh, so last week I had an interesting thing happen, so on Saturday I uh, did a very COVID-19 thing, which was uh, have a um, have use of a hall, but just me and my accompanist. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about Head Ice on before, but she's a big supporter of the arts and has been uh, very helpful to me throughout the years as both a piano player and a mentor and producer here in Japan. Uh, but the uh, the Civic Center, which is the city hall in Hitachi. Uh, offered their hall free of charge uh, for an hour at a time uh, for people who wanted to come and just sing in the space. And so uh, Mrs. Hedai kind of pressured me to do that. I wasn't very interested. In fact, I kind of blew it off, even though I knew it was coming for probably a good month or so. I just, man, I just could not bring myself to get excited about it or anything. And so I kind of blew it off for a good long time. Uh, but it was really just a rehearsal after all. So, you know, I, the music of, I scratched together some music and, and we went down to the hall and uh, we sang a little bit. And, and of course, my, my voice wasn't in great shape, uh, being that I hadn't really sung in several months uh, seriously. But uh, by the end, uh, my voice was kind of waking up and I decided to do a Facebook, do a Facebook Live thing and so I Facebook lived a few songs and it kind of did really well like I I I'm kind of overwhelmed by the fact that we got uh, you know 1500 views in the span of just a couple days and we had a thousand views before 24 hours was up um, I've never had that kind of interest in what I was doing but somehow uh, in this new era um, Maybe people were hungry for that kind of thing, or maybe it's just a 
you know, lucky timing kind of thing. I don't know, but it kind of went well and uh, got a lot of positive reviews and had a lot of good conversations about it. And uh, so kind of uh, inspired me to want to go back and, and take it a little bit more seriously. If some of you may know, I'm uh, a somewhat trained musician and that's what I wanted to do at some point professionally, but more or less has, have given up on that dream. But I still continue to dabble in music. Um, one of the harder professions to make a real living in, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I still dabble and uh, sing here and there. And But I was encouraged by the success of that video. And so uh, I've decided to uh, tackle a bigger work, uh, which is called Winterreise, uh, which is uh, a 24-song song cycle by Schubert. Uh that is uh, really one of the big, um, if you're a solo classical singer, it's one of those big milestones that, that people work on uh, and uh, tackle from time to time. So I'm thinking about tackling that. So uh, in conjunction with that, uh, my wife had run across a, a really good article on procrastination of all subjects, uh, one that I'm quite proficient in. I'm a proficient procrastinator. Um, I don't even put procrastinating off till tomorrow. I, I take care of it right away. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, and the article had to do with uh, a, a very astute analysis on what causes procrastination uh, and some very practical steps uh, to to work on not being so bad at procrastinating. And so we decided to have a little family meeting this morning uh, based around that because we have uh, some very talented procrastinators in our in our family and we had a really great discussion and and uh, some good planning came out of it and uh, some inspiration I hope and especially for my daughters I I think there's still time for them to to uh, uh, work on their habits, maybe perhaps better than me, but I, I actually felt kind of inspired to work on my own habits as well, as far as that goes. And everybody knows I'm a big procrastinator. Uh, so anyway, that that's something that, in conjunction with me wanting to do this music, kind of gave me a, a game plan, or inspired me to come up with a game plan. In fact, one of the one of the um, uh, suggestions uh, was that uh, to to overcome procrastination, that that each of us become the architect of our actions. I think is kind of how it was put uh, to be the architect of our actions instead of the victim of our procrastination basically uh, in other words to you know it was you know it's teaching kind of how to uh, make make better plans right how, how to how to plan in it it talks about how procrastinators have a hard time starting something like the beginning of something you have to do is especially difficult 
and so it has very you know had very, very practical steps on that as well i'm not not going to go into all that because we've ordered the book as a family and we'll be looking at that uh more in depth um but uh it was just something that was very uh inspiring in my day that we all sat down kind of on the same page and were able to really uh, think about those things my two girls as students uh, of course um, saw importance in this and and I hope we'll see some improvement in our family culture um, I think we could really use that and, and we have this opportunity while the four of us are in the same house to, to work on that um, sorry it's kind of hot here I know I have the air conditioner up a little high uh, once it cools down I'll try to turn that down um, so yeah, so that's something that happened, and so you know, I may from time to time talk about the poetry or the the, the music and the songs that I'm going to be working on by Schubert, and uh, I don't know where that's going to go. But uh, another thing that's been on my mind again, uh, and now I'm going to have to remember exactly how it came up. Uh, the last podcast that I posted, which I did it something like three weeks ago, but I think I posted it finally yesterday, <clears throat> was on Marxism uh, from a certain standpoint. Uh, but today I want to I go back to that idea. And it came from this article. Okay, I remember now. I read an article by a, an old friend of mine named Travis Coleman, uh, who definitely uh, leans toward the right. Uh, is, I, I would say, a very moderate or level-headed conservative. I don't see him as an extremist, but uh, he's a very reasonable guy. But, but he, posts, he posted an article that I felt like was good as far as it went, and it was, of course, anti-Black Lives Matter, and it accused Black Lives Matter of Marxism and whatnot. And the reason I say it was good as far as it went it was because I felt like it was an honest attempt at what it was doing. It, it, um, it did make an honest attempt uh, at what it was trying to say, and it brought up some good points. And, and I think anybody who has, who has followed or researched uh, Black Lives Matter at all uh, probably uh, has some misgivings about their uh, Marxist tendencies, I suppose. But what I wanted to talk about today is is the the possibility the possibility that what they dislike in Marxism much of that also exists in the Jesus brand of Christianity. And I think as Christian, and this was a Christian article, I don't feel like they they delved into that. I, I think there's a blind spot there for them that I feel like needs to be addressed. And, and I want to write uh, a more extensive uh, reply to this article. And so today I'm going to be kind of thinking through and brainstorming some of my thoughts uh, on on that. Uh, so one of the one of the big um, statements by Black Lives Matter that is often 
uh, quoted by its detractors uh, is the fact that they they have something in their statement that says they challenge uh, they want to challenge the um, uh, I wish I could quote this directly but basically it's a challenge to the idea that the nuclear family is is the only family or the best way to do family or or it is the um, is the benchmark for a correctly formed family right the idea of a mother and a father right and children the nuclear family model that they they want to challenge that um, notion that 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 is um, the only way or the best way or uh, that only that really equals family at all um, and what most people have taken that to mean is that they are anti-family and that they are anti-nuclear family and two of the three founders of the Black Lives Matter organization I believe uh, are also, I'm not sure exactly what their sexual orientation is or their gender uh, identity, but uh, two of them are, I think, cisgender is what is what I read in the article or something like this. Um, so we have this interesting dynamic with the BLM organization where they are... Um, not only advocating for equal rights and equal treatment under the law for black people, uh, but also for um, transgender, cisgender, um, LGBTQ uh, community, right? Uh, that that's another um, stated mission statement for them or mission target uh, goal, I guess is another way to say that. Um, not very eloquent today. So, so what, what evangelical Christians have done is they've seen that and they, what they see is, oh, they're anti-family, anti-traditional family, right? Um, and then they point to Marxism and, and Marxism, one of the tenets of Marxism is the uh, abolition of the family structure that uh, this idea of um, I'm going to mess this up horribly but social contracts the idea that that social relationships uh, are entered into contractually not by blood or uh, you know some kind of genetic relation um, but are actually social contracts and as such uh, can be easily dissolved or created, right? I suppose. Uh, but it, the, 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 the people that look at Marxism as an evil uh, ideology would say that they, they try to do away with the family so that they will cling more tightly to the state so that when they lose their family identity uh, they in their search to identify with something larger than themselves when family is not available to them, 
they will become better citizens, more devoted uh, citizens of the state. And I suppose this, you could probably at least make the argument that this is what happened with the Soviet Union, perhaps China, and uh, other places, that um, that this is documented, right? That this this happens. You could argue that fact. I'm not sure it's uh, scientifically quantifiable, but but anyway, you could argue that that's the case. Um, and so let me just restate this because I'm kind of working through this in my head. Evangelicals and and Christians who are anti-Black Lives Matter organization believe that their objective is to destroy the family so that they can create a totalitarian state, right? Uh, that that they will that that people when their family ties are gone will bind themselves to the state to the nation and become and become. Uh, full patriots, um, nationalists, if you will. Uh, so here's my tie-in to the ideology, the, the, the accused ideology of Marxism about the uh, destruction of the family. And here's my tie-in to Jesus brand Christianity. And I say Jesus brand because uh, I make a distinction between followers of Jesus and Christianity or Christendom. Uh, I, I think there's a there's a big difference. I, I um, anyway, be that as it may, I think Christianity has gone off the rails for a long time. But let's let's look at Jesus and and and. Uh, paraphrase, because I'm not very good at quoting the Bible, but paraphrase some of the things that he said and talked about. Um, on the one hand, yes, Jesus is very much supportive of the idea of family. In fact, the New Testament uses family as the most um, frequently used metaphor for the relationship that God longs to have with his people. Uh, in other words, family is almost always used in a positive way, but there are some exceptions. Um, Jesus says, for example, unless you hate father and mother more than me, uh, you cannot be my disciple. Right? This is a very controversial statement that he said. Um, and 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 there were people that wanted to, who, who Jesus asked to follow him. Uh, their excuse was, well, I have, you know, certain families to do, for example, family things to do. I have to, I have to go bury my father, for example, or right? you know, everything. And he says, you know, let the bed, dead bury the dead, you follow me, right? And so there are times, uh, there's another time about Jesus' own family. So, uh, Jesus's mother and brothers had come to him while he was speaking to his disciples uh, because they thought he had gone crazy, that he had lost his mind. They couldn't uh, comprehend what he was doing, and so they were trying to call him out so that they could 
set him straight to talk to him. And, and so the disciples came to Jesus and said, your mother and your brothers are outside. And uh, Jesus says, you are my mother and my brothers, right? Uh, and, and in a sense, he was, he was saying that my true family uh, are those who follow me, not those who I was born to. Um, I think you kind of see what I'm saying here, and that is that even Jesus was trying to somewhat separate people from their genetic identity so that they could better embrace their spiritual identity. Um, it's not so unlike what Marxism has done and attempts to do. Uh, and it's not that what's the what's the word? It's it's easy to see why uh, black people would want this would maybe go to that extreme. One of the one of the one of the things that is uh, talked about about the black family is the lack of fathers, the 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 high number of single mothers, uh, and and that many black people do not grow up in a family with a traditional nuclear model, uh, and this is seen as some kind of a handicap, a family handicap, right? Uh, an excuse, a way to dismiss people. You know, so-and-so did something. Well, of course he did. He didn't have a father in his life or, you know, his parents were never together. His father was in prison. He was raised by a woman, right? Um, these kinds of things are said and, and really just thrown off as if, as if uh, they are law, that there's no other way to think about these things. That this is uh, that this is uh, fact. Uh, that a person who is brought up uh, without a father figure is somehow incomplete or damaged. And Black Lives Matter, the organization, is striving to to say, "Hey, who says? You know why is why is that necessarily true?" In our homes many of many of the uh, kids were brought up by aunts and grandmothers maybe even uncles or older siblings uh, they had a lot of father figures even if the father figure was a woman right uh, and what's wrong with two mothers or two mother figures why why do we have to assume that a man present in a family is a fix-all that people who grew up in that kind of a situation are somehow superior to people who didn't and so I believe that Black Lives Matter uh, just wants to level the playing field and say hey what matters is were the children brought up by loving parents cared for them who tried to set them a good example, who did everything they could to raise them well. It doesn't matter 
the gender of the parents, or the number of the parents for that matter. What matters is the the quality of the parenting. And so let's not use that as some kind of an excuse uh, to to not see the other causes uh, of problems in minority communities. Okay, let's not just say that's it. End of discussion, right? Um, so I, I I totally get that uh, tendency for them to say, "Hey, it's not fair just to write people off because of uh, your idealized idea." of what a family should be and must be, what a good family is. And so Black Lives Matter has an ideology that, yes, is Marxist, but I can see why they were grasping for that, right? I, 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 I empathize with the unfair, um, w- with their reaction to the unfair criticism that they've gotten uh, and the dismissals that, that that they've gotten. Um, I think I think there are a lot of a lot of things, ways that we do that. And it's really just being lazy on our part. You know, we'll say, what's a good family? Okay, father, mother, children. That's a good family. And it's lazy, right? It 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 doesn't assume that there's good parenting. It doesn't assume anything. Um, it assumes that if a man is in the house, everything will be better. Um, and I have a feeling that this this is based in also a deep fear slash hatred slash suspicion of the homosexual community that that so many boys have become gay because they didn't have a father figure in the house. And again, it's a pretty big assumption, right? not necessarily scientifically based, um, not in any science that I know of. Um, and so what Black Lives Matter has done, in my opinion, is has taken an ideology that, that answers those concerns that they have. Uh, and it's hard for me to uh, fault, to fault them for that. <clears throat> I think it's also, I think I mentioned this before, we also need to look at whatever we're calling Marxism with Black Lives Matter and realize it's it's going to be nuanced with with years of, uh, um, years and years of other governments having gone through Marxist uh, rule and that we, we you know, we, we can nuance that you know today's version that we're calling Marxism that really isn't I had a name for it before and I can't remember what it is now uh, the other ideology that it's called um, but I still think that the article that I read as thorough as it was failed to address the fact that that Jesus kind of called people out of their genetic uh, families as well um, at, at least if that's what 
was holding somebody back from uh, embracing uh, embracing his way, embracing becoming his disciple. Um, so I think we have to look at that really closely. And we also have to realize that we're really not living for the most part uh, in, in the way um, that Jesus prescribed disciples to live anyway. I don't think we've really um, embraced much um, that, uh, that paradigm either. Right, but at least we should look um, closely at things. You know, I felt like this article was written from uh, a an already reached position. It wasn't it wasn't so much um, trying to understand as it was trying to justify what it already believed to be the case. Um, and I think that's disingenuous and, and not very scholarly. Uh, and yeah, um, I don't think we've done, done enough work there. Uh, and I think a lot of what has gone on in evangelical Christianity is the uh, idolization, the, the idolatry of the family. And I'm not saying... Uh, that families are bad. What I'm saying is that that families it shouldn't be about uh, the nouns as much as the adjectives, right? Uh, what's the quality? What are the qualities of the interactions that are happening in the families, right? Are are kids being loved? Uh, are they being nurtured? Are they being educated, right? It's not just do they have a father and a mother. Um, it's just not very intelligent, right? It's we know that there are all kinds of exceptions to rules uh, where kids sometimes turn out great from horrible situations, and 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 kids turn out horrible from from ideal situations. There is no formula that works across the board. I just wish more Christians would honestly enter these conversations with an open mind to learn and to understand first, I guess. Because until we do that, how are we going to know how to serve people? How are we going to know how to love people? Um, yeah, and that's my take on that. Man, I am running pretty late. Shoot. I waited just a minute or two too long. Just have to explode on the scene when I get there, I guess. Oh. So, that's my take on that. I guess I'll call this maybe Marxism Part 2. I don't know uh, what I'm going to call this podcast. That's the biggest struggle I have is... First of all, when I don't post them and I tape them three weeks before, I kind of have to listen to them again to come up with titles, and I may or may not get them right all the time. 
Uh, but I do appreciate you guys listening. Look like looks like we had something like 180 listens this week, which is just phenomenal to me. I don't know who all of you are who are listening, uh, but I do want you to know that I appreciate you, uh, and I would appreciate you even more if you would uh, talk to me, uh, give me some ideas, give me uh, some feedback. I would love some feedback. I always get good feedback from my good friend Pat, who's been on the podcast a couple times. Um, thank you, Pat. Love you, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, but f- feedback would be great. Um, I've got blind spots I need to be aware of, uh, things that I'm not seeing, uh, maybe assumptions I'm making. Uh, I'm making, and so yeah, I would love more feedback on this. Uh, and maybe SoundCloud's just lying to me about how many people are watching. I have no idea. Uh, But I still maintain that I do this mostly for me. Uh, I suppose I could call this uh, driving mansplaining theology. (laughs) But, uh, oh, some some news. Uh, My friend Cam had a baby. I don't know if you listen to this Cam ever, but Good job on baby Jake, you and Ayami. And, uh, yeah, got some other friends. They're about to have a baby. Uh, shout out to uh, Yuriko and Keith, who I just talked to this morning. Hope, hope you guys are doing well. Hope things are working out for you. Um, and I can't wait to see you guys soon. So I'm just going to cut this short right here. And uh, you guys have a great day. Bye-bye.